For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. Andrew McLean with you yet again. I know y'all saw me on the video coughing just then. I don't have the COVID. I don't. I do not. I've already had it. I had it back in January. I had it back, I had coronavirus back during a time where coronavirus was spreading throughout this country, but we didn't make a big deal out of it. Because it wasn't quite close enough to election season. But I don't have it now. So, everybody just stay calm, stay calm. I'm not going to give it to you through the YouTubes. I'm not going to give it to you uh, through the Apple Podcast or the Spotify. You don't have to worry about that. Can I just, and this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, but can I just talk for a moment about how amazing technology is? So I've downloaded this app. I've always been big on claw machine games on your phone. I just, I don't know. It's it's a thing that gets me, you know, it helps pass time, if you will. I just, I like them. I've always liked the real claw machines, but, you know, even the digital one on your phone is fun, too. I found one. It's called Claw-E. Let me turn this down because I could hear it playing in the background. It's called Claw-E, and what it is, it's apparently, it's it's an app where you can play actual claw machines. Like, seriously... Real claw machine. So what it does is apparently there's this big warehouse that's got numerous, maybe even hundreds of claw machines. And each one's got a particular type of plush toy or item or whatever in it. 
And so you go on here and you use your digital coins. You can pay money for it or whatever, but, you know, you can win them too. You use your uh, claw-e money, if you will, and you play these games and it literally takes you to a live stream of a camera that's facing this particular claw machine and you control the claw and try to grab and win the prize. And if you win the prize, they mail it to you. How crazy is that? Right? He gave me like 4,000 coins when I signed up and I used all of them within like five minutes. And only one. I won one thing. It was like a rose necklace or something. I'll let y'all know if I actually ever get that. But they're supposed to ship it to me. Well, it's really cool. I've seen the advertisement for it a lot on uh, on social media. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to download it. I'm going to see what this is all about. And it's actually as, it's cool. It's as cool as they say on the advertisement. I thought it was going to be bogus, but I dig it. I dig it. I think it's cool. All right. Um, here we go. Y'all ready? Big weekend as far as Washington, D.C. goes. Remember, we, we wrapped up Friday. If you listen to Friday show, I know a lot of you guys have to play catch up because uh, just looking at the numbers of the podcast, we it's like... The closer we get to the weekend, the less clicks we get on our stuff, which I completely understand. You're, you're kind of unwinding and you're trying to get away from politics and news and everything else by the time you get to the weekend. We start the week strong. I mean, we're up on our listenership like 50-60% and it's continuing to rise. Uh, but as you go throughout the week, it, it, it the number gets lower and lower and lower. So I, I feel like I kind of got to recap for some of you guys. If you remember Friday... The uh, the the uh, Republicans and the Democrats in Congress could not come together to reach an agreement on uh, coronavirus relief, this latest coronavirus bill. And there's a lot of factors to deal with it. But the main one that was affecting average Americans were, you know, small business relief, unemployment, stimulus checks, whatever. Every, you know, your average Joes are wondering, hey, am I going to get any extra money? Or for people that are still out of work, hey, y'all going to keep this unemployment going because it's it died a week or two ago like what's the deal democrats took the opportunity to cram a whole bunch of nonsense in their version of the bill to take to the negotiating table now them going to the negotiating table was absolutely pointless because they planned on negotiating nothing at all absolutely nothing they crammed in things like the release of thousands upon thousands of federal prisoners. They uh, crammed in their universal mail-in voting. Just really unattainable things that are just a liberal, progressive wish list. Basically, the things that they're going to try to get done if uh, Joe Biden becomes president. That did not work. The Republicans didn't blink. They offered the Democrats an extension on unemployment up to two weeks where the feds kick in that extra $600 on top of whatever your state unemployment is. Democrats turned it down. Now, keep in mind, this is a standalone bill. Had nothing else in it. It was simply extending unemployment benefits. And instead of Democrats saying, fine, we'll do that, and then we'll keep hammering out these details, they said, no, nah, we're good. Gave the big middle finger to the American people that are still unemployed and said, yeah, you ain't gonna get nothing. So the president got fed up with it. He got with Steve Mnuchin and Mark Meadows and they said, we're just going to draft an executive order. They got with the White House legal team, made sure uh, all their T's were crossed and their I's were dotted. 
make sure they could do this. Trump signs, I think, three separate executive orders in Bedminster, New Jersey, at his golf club on Saturday. You probably heard the, the, the press conference. And it pertains to numerous things, one of them being an unemployment extension. Now, the Republicans, outside of that small extension while they were hammered out in negotiations, their main goal was to keep unemployment going, but at a lower rate. For instance, 70% of what somebody was making before the pandemic or $400 a month on top, or $400 a week on top of what their state pays. So since Trump was having to do this on his own, he said, well, we'll just go ahead with what we were ultimately wanting to do in the first place. That's not overpay people and disincentivizing them to, to go back to work. We'll lower it just a little bit, but still trying to make it in a way where people can put food on the table to, to, until they can get on their feet and we can get everything opened back up. So they went with $400 a week on top of your state unemployment. For a lot of people, that's going to look anywhere between... Six to six hundred to a thousand dollars a week, just depending on where you live across the country. It's not bad. I mean, it's enough to get by during a turbulent time. You know, it's not ideal for a lot of people, but it's also more than what some people were making before the pandemic. So, Donald Trump makes a move, and and if you follow me on social media, what I said after that press conference was Democrats got kicked in the balls today. 100% Democrats got kicked in the balls. And they weren't even ready for it. They knew that uh, there was a chance Donald Trump was going to put out an executive order. But they, they didn't realize. I don't think it set in the political impact that it was going to have. That the president came out, said, hey, these Democrats in Congress, they're not doing anything. So I'm going to be the, the one that has to give you guys the money until they can get it figured out. The executive order Trump signed goes for two months. Two months that they've got, and, and they'll wait till the 11th hour. They'll wait to the two-month mark before they actually send out a bill. You can almost guarantee it. But Trump comes out and tells Democrats, Republicans, white people, black people, Hispanic people, men, women, uh, anybody from the 56 different genders, he told them, I'm the one that's giving you this money because the people you voted for from your states refused to get anything done for you. Everybody started saying, oh, wait a minute. Trump's giving us this money? Really? I thought he was trying to screw us over and, and get a dictatorship kicked off. Wow, that's crazy. Here's the thing. Even in politics, money talks for a lot of voters. There's a lot of voters that they don't really pay attention to what's happening or what will affect them down the road. What they pay attention to is what affects them directly in the here and now. And if that comes in the form of a stimulus check or unemployment or an Obama phone or whatever it is, when you get that tangible thing in your hand from the government or from whoever's sitting in the Oval Office... That can change people's views about you. Because honestly, just people don't pay attention. There's a lot of people in this country that just don't pay attention to what's going on. And they only decide to perk up and look at this person for who they are when they see something like that. 
So I saw a lot of people I, I really trying to monitor social media over the weekend on uh, different pages from different sides of the aisle, different viewpoints as to what the, the, the people that comment, normally comment on this stuff, what they're saying. And I saw a whole lot of Trump haters saying, I can't believe he actually did that. That was pretty good. I appreciate that, Trump. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> this was a master political move on Trump's part. It was smart. Now, I think he's doing it out of, you know, I don't want to say the kindness of his heart, but the, 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 the foundation of his policies is to, you know, take care of Americans and make America prosperous. And in this particular situation, get Americans through the coronavirus so everybody can get back to work and get back to making money like they were. But he knew when he put this into place that it was going to be a political home run for his campaign, and it was. I don't know if Democrats didn't expect that, or they just got caught with their pants down, or what. But they were in a bind this weekend. And they've done nothing to rectify it. Now, they've got the media outlets running interference. They've got the mainstream network saying... Oh, these executive orders, they're not they're not all they're cracked up to be. They're not what they seem. Da, 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 da. But people are still, as long as this thing goes through, are gonna see that money in their account and, and they're not gonna care what Rachel Maddow or Brian Stelter or Jake Tapper are saying about it. They're gonna say, Well, I got my money. So, you know, I, I know Trump's supposed to be the bad guy, but he did get me the money. So and that's not to say, I don't want you to get me wrong, that's not to say these people are, are, are because of $400 a week, are going to switch around and vote for Trump. A lot of them probably won't even vote in general. But it's making, it's, it's opening eyes for a lot of people to say, if this guy's so bad and he hates Americans and he really wants, he really doesn't care that people are dying at, 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 a, at a high rate from coronavirus, why would he do something like this? Maybe... Just maybe he does care about people. And maybe I'm being lied to. That's what I'm seeing happen across the board. And now the Democrats are in a situation, and they've threatened this, that they will sue the White House over these executive orders claiming that they exceed their executive power. The president and his staff has said, go ahead, knock yourself out. It's going to be political suicide. The campaign ads and, and the tweets and the messages that they could put out to the general public, if they are trying to actively get money to the American people, and Democrats are at the same time actively stopping it from happening, whether they win or lose in court, if they're stopping it at a time that it's needed for a lot of people, that's another kick to the balls to the Democrats. And they've got to, they've got a habit over the past three or four years of shooting themselves in the foot. But this would be a bit of suicide if they tried to pull that off. So that's where we currently stand. We don't really know a timeline on when this stuff will move forward. But you can guarantee between the time that the federal government and the state gets their stuff together... As far as lining it all up and making sure 
the people of each state get paid their unemployment, between now and then, Democrats will go ahead and the media will go ahead to try to downplay these executive orders as much as possible. You'll see it all day, day and night. They'll do everything they can to say, oh, this is, this is not what you want. This is not what you want. Even the, 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 the reporters, not just at the press conference in uh, Bedminster, New Jersey, when Trump was signing the orders, but the reporters today, when Kaylee, Kaylee McEnany was holding her White House press briefing, they were trying to hammer the administration for only giving 400 instead of 600 and saying that that $200 a week is going to break families. Now, I just I want to be real for a moment and I think we can all agree that $200 a week we wouldn't mind having that, you know, especially if it's just coming out of thin air, which it's not. It's actually your money in the first place, but we're just hypothetical. $200 a week coming out of thin air is not a bad deal. We could all find something to do with that. But for the people that are in that range of, of what they make on a regular basis, like before the pandemic, if they, if they were making between $500 to $1,000 a week every week, that two hundred dollars for a, for a period of time, they're going to figure out how to make it work. Now, for people that were making much less than the six hundred dollars plus, for example, in Alabama, you were getting paid eight eight hundred and seventy five dollars a week on unemployment. If you were making much less than that, and then the pandemic started, and all of a sudden you get laid off, and you're making eight seventy five a week, maybe that's double what you were making. You start living this lavish lifestyle, and then the unemployment runs out, and you're like, "Oh no, what am I gonna do now? I've got all this stuff. I gotta pay rent a center, and I gotta pay for the, <laughs> I pay for this. I gotta pay." Well, yeah, but that's not making and breaking you. That's just bringing you back from that lavish lifestyle you were living with tax dollars for the period of time that you were getting paid twice what you were making before. So it's not breaking people. It's not taking food off of people's table. But they're even going ahead and they're making extra steps to say, um, you know, put a, a moratorium on evictions and, and uh, keeping people in their homes, keeping roofs over their head and keeping food on the table. They're doing what they've got to do. And there's a lot of Republicans that are still opposed to this. They think, they think unemployment should be wiped out altogether. And hey, it's another topic for a different time. But what we're looking at right now from a political aspect is a lose-lose situation for the Democrats. Trump tweeted out earlier that all of a sudden, now that he's signed these executive orders, Chuck and Nancy magically want to come negotiate again. He said, so now Schumer and Pelosi want to meet and make a deal. Amazing how it all works, isn't it? Where have they been for the last four weeks when they were hardliners and only wanted bailout money for Democrat-run states and cities that are failing badly? They know my phone number. <laughs> so Trump calls him out and says, hey, all of a sudden, Chuck and Nancy magically want to negotiate again now that I've signed this executive order. And it's not because Chuck and Nancy care about the American people or care about struggling families during the pandemic. It's because they see the political aspect of this. 
they feel the repercussions of getting kicked in the balls by the Republicans, or not even the Republicans, by the White House. The Republicans were never going to get on board with this. Chuck and Nancy both have been in this game long enough. The Republicans are not going to do that. Republicans have been weak-kneed in the past, but not to the level that they would allow you to spend hundreds of billions of dollars on mail-in voting months before presidential election. Release thousands upon thousands of federal prisoners, some violent offenders, murderers, rapists, whatever. Lowering voting ages, allowing uh, illegal immigrants to vote, uh, banning voter ID laws. That stuff's not going to happen. Nobody's going to let that fly when we're, what is this, August? October? No. We're, we're, like, we're less than three months from the election? And Chuck and Nancy and the Democrats think we're going to uh, uh, ban voter ID and then allow allow universal mail-in election where no state would be able to, to no state has the infrastructure to handle that. It would never fly for for a for a party that has spent the past four years being consumed with election fraud and election security. They switched awfully quick. To want to invite in voter fraud, election fraud, and compromise the election security. It was like overnight. It's like all of a sudden the coronavirus hit and they're like, well, you know, I know we talked about how dangerous it was for, for uh, dangerous to our democracy that people were interfering in our elections. But, you know, we don't want to take measures to make sure people that are allowed to vote are the only ones voting. We don't want to make sure people are turning in their ballots in person. We just want to mail out applications, let people sign them, whoever you may be, whatever. You've heard the stories. People uh, are are getting ballots that don't belong to them. People are getting mailed ballots for dead relatives. They're getting mailed applications for ballots for their pets, their cat that died seven years ago. How in the world would you ever keep up with any? It's just insane. And, and don't get me wrong. Normally, I would say this is Chuck and Nancy prepping for the future. That this is Chuck and Nancy setting the stage and go ahead and testing the waters, putting it out there, putting their feelers out there and saying, all right, this is what we want. So y'all be ready in the future. Three, four years, we're, we're really going to push this thing. No, I think they legitimately want it now. I think they legitimately want mail-in voting for the 2020 election. And it has everything to do with who their candidate is. It has everything to do with the fact Joe Biden is a blubbering mess. And they know they're not going to be able to win this election on merit. No matter how bad of a candidate they think Trump is, no matter how mentally unstable they think the president is, they know their guy is worse. Much worse. Speaking of their guy, we are currently waiting on an announcement for who Joe Biden's running mate is going to be, the most consequential running mate in presidential election history, more than likely, for the reasons I just stated. Joe Biden could lose his cognitive abilities at any time, what he has left of them. 
and the VP would then have to step in. I mean, Joe Biden's so bad off, he's even said, I'm probably only going to do four years. Who says that? Who runs for president and says, yeah, I only want to do four years? <laughs> that's, that's what Joe Biden's doing. He legit said that. So a lot of people are throwing out the uh, the the contenders, the the uh, the betting odds, the, the guesses on who that vice president pick is going to be. I'm seeing a lot of people start to lean towards Elizabeth Warren, although we've been told he's going to pick a, quote, woman of color, end quote. And I think uh, calling people of color, I think that's a little... I don't like that terminology, and I see the left use that more than anybody. It just seems old and <laughs> almost seems mildly racist. I don't know why we we're still using that. Elizabeth Warren, though, is a lot of people are leaning her way because of how much money she's raising for Joe Biden. You know, she's in rubbing shoulders with the richest people in the country and bringing in the big bucks for Joe. So that may be something that the Biden campaign considers and just takes the heat from whoever for not picking a black woman. Now, I would think after all this time, if you don't pick a black woman, you're going to catch a lot of heat from uh, the voting uh, members of the, the, the Democrat Party voting bloc who are already kind of angry at you for some of the things you've done in the past and some of the things you've said recently. Joe Biden's made, just over the past month or two, racist remarks toward the entire black community. I mean, the latest one just last week. So if you, on the heels of that, decide to pick a white woman that pretends to be a different nationality or different ethnicity, it's not going to be good. But whatever, whatever. I, I wouldn't expect anything less from Joe Biden. What else we got? Oh, football season. Not looking Good. There are reports flying all over the place right now that the Big Ten, and for those of y'all that don't do football or whatever, the Big Ten, one of the conferences in the NCAA, college football, is expected, expected, this is not for sure yet, and, and it, this may this decision may have been made, you know, by the time you listen to this, I don't know. They're expected to cancel their fall football season. Now, don't know if that means moving it to the spring or just skipping it and waiting on 2021 or whatever. But they're expected to cancel altogether. So me being an SEC guy, and for those of you that are new listeners, I'm a big University of Tennessee Vols fan living here in Alabama, but it's SEC country. When I see that, my big concern is, will that be a snowball that will then roll up the rest of the conferences and cause everybody else to cancel their season. That's my greatest fear. I'm looking, I'm, I'm listening to people that have inside knowledge about what's going on. And from the people that I would put the most, the, the, the most faith in, in their sources, in their reporting, are saying... That the SEC still st still plans on playing football for this 2020 season. Now you know they've already changed some things up and they've made some adjustments for the season. They've they've uh, 
moved from a 12-game season to a 10-game season, and they've eliminated all their non-conference games. So it's all SEC games, which I think a lot of SEC fans are happy about. I think it'll be exciting. They've moved back their start date to September 24th, if I'm not mistaken. So they've made moves to trying to adjust to this whole thing. And if the people in the SEC offices are saying, we're okay if we're the last man standing, if we're the last conference standing playing football, I think that's great. Not only is that great for us that love SEC football, that's great for SEC football in general because guess what? All those eyeballs... Every college football season that watch their favorite team or just love watching college football in general, every single one of those eyeballs are going to be on SEC football. And it could even expose a whole new set of people to the best brand of football in the entire world. And that is the Southeastern Conference. So, we'll see. We don't know where that's going to go. Hopefully, hopefully they'll make the right decision. And we can uh, we can get some football, but it makes me nervous. And and I've stated this from the very beginning. Y'all know where I'm at. I have been terrified from the beginning that we're not going to get any football. They're going to cancel it all together. And we've been back and forth. But now's the time. We are a little over a month from college football starting, and there's one conference after another conference after another conference folding up shop. And I just want to get started. I noticed there were a lot of college football players that were posting tweets. They were saying, um, they are using a hashtag, what was it? Let us play, hashtag let us play. And it was some pretty prominent guys from, I saw some Tennessee guys doing it, but I saw Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for Clemson, doing it. Justin Fields in Ohio State, he was tweeting that same thing, so... There's, uh, there's a lot of players letting their voice be heard. And I think that's smart on their part because when it comes down to it, the, the, the further we've moved into this era, the more I've seen universities and athletic departments and conferences invest more into their student-athletes. And whether that means money-wise whether that means uh, resources or that means they listen to them more. I've seen that happen more and more. And one of the big examples was basketball season this year when the coronavirus stuff started. Remember, it was hitting hard. We were getting ready for March Madness. College conferences were having their, their, their conference tournaments. And then all of a sudden, this stuff hits. People start getting freaked out. The players... On these basketball teams start getting freaked out. And they start coming to their coaches and they're like, I don't know why we're here, coach. We're freaked out about this whole thing. We don't know much about it. Yada, yada, yada. And those coaches then go to the SEC offices or whatever respected conference. Go to those offices and say, our players don't feel comfortable with this. And they're like, well, listen to the players. And they pulled the plug on the whole tournament. Not just the conference tournaments, but the March Madness tournament. So they listen to these players. And the more of them that speak up and say, hashtag, let us play, I think the better chance you have of actually having a football season this year. 
and I am in 100 support, 100 percent support of that. If we do not have a college football season, there is only one option that we have, and that is that we drop a nuclear bomb on the communist country of China. It's the only option. I've said it from I said it back in April, in March. It says if the China virus causes college football to get canceled in 2020, we nuke China. And my position hasn't changed one bit. Sometimes you gotta do things that are not necessarily popular. Not roundly accepted by everybody and not liked by everyone. But sometimes there comes a time where you just gotta drop a nuclear bomb on a different country. It's the only option left on the table. That's it for me. Make sure you guys share over the line the podcast, the videos, the YouTube channel. I appreciate each and every one of you guys. We'll have a brand new podcast for you tomorrow. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. And uh, we'll see what happens with everything else. Until next time, see you, Cole.